ladies and gentlemen welcome to the third episode of the vibe shetty experience however this week we are debuting a new series today we are going to have the very first episode of the insights group a series where we talk to the experts in our field whether it's the officials the promoters people behind the scenes who see what the everyday fan or even the athletes typically do not see and i cannot think of a better person to start the show than my guest right now mr kevin alfred david welcome to the show mr the, uh, kevin thank you vibhav and good evening everybody and good morning to the rest of the world so how are you is it like a quiet friday evening today for you i hope i didn't interrupt anything major that was planned no not exactly but we were a little tied up we having the youth world championships coming up so we tied up in a little bit of administration work and getting things done for the athletes right uh, for those who don't know and i'll be surprised for you know in case there are people who don't know uh, this but mr kevin alfred david he has been a referee at major imf events over the years whether it's the world championships the asian open the youth world championships he's always been there both as part of the indian contingent as well as the as a main referee not just that he has been the third man in the cage and the ring for matches which are mma for boxing matches with the indian boxing council for muay thai matches where he has been the third man for wbc muay thai india titles as well as the world kickboxing network titles and when i was competing in jiu jitsu i remember seeing mr kevin alfred david at the judges table there as well so it's an incredible array of combat sports that you know he is an expert in uh and i'm sure it's taken many years to gain that expertise so uh, could you tell me a little bit about your, or the audience a little bit about your background we don't need exact dates exact details but when did you start and how did you get into these multiple sports as an official uh when i was a young i started off first with boxing for 3 years so when i was uh, from my 6th uh, to 8th standard Wow. and then uh, once i moved from a different state and come to karnataka mm-hmm. i picked up karate and that was my base where in which uh, i got my black belt and then i started refereeing and judging as well as a participant in various tournaments at different levels mm-hmm. and uh, after that when i came to bangalore i was introduced to muay thai and okay. uh, i learned uh, and i got certified in muay thai also and uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu too. I took part in a competition, the Subcontinental Championships, where I got a bronze medal in my category in the heavyweights. Wow! Okay. And following which, after that, uh, I started uh, refereeing and judging also for BJJ at the Asian level also. Mm-hmm. And uh, following that, I uh, got into MMA uh, in 2015. Okay. And then was uh, certified and graded by. the most famous referee mark gowder uh, in 2017 a uh, couple of us were graduated from his course from india and there's okay. a senior batch and after that i started uh, refereeing um, and judging first in fact i started judging in mma uh, at the asian level and then when i went for my first worlds i judged and i did refereeing too there and also i got into boxing currently and now i am the south uh, commissioner for Indian Boxing Council, uh, where we have WBC title fights also, and we are we are certified Asian judges 
for WBC in uh, refereeing and judging for boxing too. So this is my part in combat sports and my passion towards it. And uh, that's about it. Wow. See, you literally started from the grassroots level, right? When you were in sixth standard before anybody in yeah. India or very few people in India knew anything about combat sports. So you've been yeah, through it all. Yeah, the reason being is I come from a pretty uh, family background where everybody is into combat sports. My uncles all are boxers. Wow. So boxing was a part and parcel of a daily life. Was, I'm an Anglo-Indian. So most of the Anglo-Indians uh, are into boxing. So oh, nice. like you know, people get into cricket and uh, football, most of us get into boxing. And <laughs> earlier in uh, Bangalore, in St. Germans and Josephs and all that, boxing used to be a, one of the sports for the students. Oh, wow. Okay. That initially now now they've stopped that uh, uh -huh. but initially it was there in my dad's wow. days and then when we started so that niche of having combat thing you can say it was in the blood oh nice so i'm sure you've seen a big difference in the way people used to you know play the sport or you know we we can't call it play because it's combat sports but yeah. they, the way they used to compete back in the day and the way they compete now is that a big difference or has it not really changed much at least from the boxing point of view See, there's a lot of difference uh, from the amateur circuit and the professional circuit, uh, especially when coming to boxing. Uh, right. The boxers, need, they cannot do any showboarding in the ring and, you know, uh, they have to follow to the T, the rules, they're pretty strict, the referees are no nonsense is allowed in the ring. The right. same thing in professional boxing, there is no nonsense allowed in the ring, but the boxers are allowed to showboard themselves, you know, right. and you know, get the crowd, gather the crowd in and make the match more exciting. So I don't see much of the difference, but the difference here is technique-wise. People have improved a lot uh, when it comes to the technique aspects of it, the stamina aspects of it. And in Indian boxing, we're seeing a lot of improvement in uh, the professional boxing circuit, where we have a lot of uh, matches happening all over India. And there are some promoters who take Indian fighters abroad also. So that is also over there. Uh, that's a boost for the Indian Boxing Council. And the same thing goes for MMA too. Like in the amateur circuit, uh, you see that uh, MMA India, we are the only legal and authorized uh, federation for amateur uh, amateur body, which is affiliated to the International Mixed Martial Arts Federation, IMF, and where we groom uh, athletes in the um, amateur circuit. And why were you also were a part of it in the amateur right. circuit? And then you went uh, pro. Right. So we groom them there, make them understand why they need to do amateur uh, fights and then mm -hmm. go into the pro circuit. So right. the difference, what I would say is in technique wise, training wise, a lot of changes because we have now a lot of science involved in the way you train, the nutrition aspects of it, what you need to eat, what you don't need to eat, the weight cutting, all this earlier is not there. Earlier right. it was just you, you weigh, today you are in 80 kgs, you fight in the 80 kg category. Tomorrow, Another tournament, you're in 90, you fight in the 90. Nobody right. was worried about cutting weight and all that. Mm -hmm. So when I used to fight uh, in the karate uh, circuit, that's what I did. I never cut weight. Whatever okay. weight was, I used to weigh myself and sign up in that category and fight. That's about okay. it. Right. So right. the concept of weight cutting and all was when I got into uh, MMA. Uh-huh. Right. That's when, yeah. okay. I think that's when most of us experienced it for the first time. I mean, I mean, the boxers have had been doing it professionally at least, but yes. uh, someone like me, you know, I had no exposure to any of this until I got into MMA, and that's when I realized, you know, what we have to start cutting weight. Uh, yeah. You know, one of the biggest concerns I had when I got into the cage, right, was because 
when I did start with the Bangalore Open and you were there as an official as well, I had no idea who the officials were and whether I would be safe in the cage with the officials. And, you know, to be honest, it was extremely safe. The officials took very good care of the athletes and made sure the stoppages were done correctly. And I think part of it is because there were people like you over there who were heading that event as an official and you were trained by Mark Goddard, who's one of the best in the world. So how was that experience, you know, getting the knowledge from him, getting trained by him? Yeah, it, it was good. In fact, it's always good that you learn from somebody who has been there, who also started from the grassroots level and gone to where he's right now in the biggest promotion of MMA, that is UFC. Okay. And he not only does uh, MMA, he also does uh, combat karate, refereeing and judging. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. also. Uh, so he has this thing knowledge and it i always believe that when you meet somebody you take away something from him mm-hmm. and there were some points that we took away from him the way he trained us and all but he is a person who is pretty uh, you know he studies an individual gives the reports and says he's pretty straightforward he doesn't uh, you know uh, be politically diplomat and talk nicely to you and say no you need if you're bad you're bad okay. if you're good you're good that's how it is so we had that but more exposure was when we used to go for the Asians, the worlds. Mm-hmm. There you got to learn uh, so many things every time. You get okay. to learn some good stuff from your uh, colleagues, from your cage leaders, from mm-hmm. the athlete itself. Okay. You get to learn some new, new stuff, what they're trying to do. You you get on your guard and you learn, yeah, this is what when I should go in. This is not when I should not go in. And yes, we do commit mistakes. Mistakes okay. are uh, there and we make sure we don't repeat them again. So okay. that's how we learn. So okay. we took away a lot of stuff, but I would like to also give credit to uh, the person who hello, uh, who taught me the referee aspects in the beginning from for Mautai was Hemant. Okay. So he used to organize, I don't know if you know about this, this Pro-Am uh, Mautai Championships. So my first refereeing in the ring mm-hmm. was through Mautai. From there, from him, so I would give credit to him. After that uh, is when I went into MMA, and then I learned from my seniors. And uh, in fact, uh, we as a niche group that we have Prasad and Sharif sir, we all uh, you know learn from each other, help each other out, and that's how we grow uh, technically as well as we grow as a responsible referee in charge. Because MMA India's motto is fighter safety first. Right. Nothing to be compromised on that. We're very strict at that. If there are no ambulance, no doctors at the venue, the matches mm-hmm. will not start. Period. No matter how much our investment is done, mm-hmm. the fighters is uh, made. They are the okay. first priority for us. Right. No, and that's very important, especially in MMA. Uh, and not just from an athlete safety point of view. Also, you know, I think a lot of negative press comes in when you talk about MMA. Because people don't understand the sport. They don't, don't understand how the sport is played and whether it's safe or not. And personally, you know, having fought kickboxing, boxing, MMA, MMA is brutal. It requires a lot more skill. But from a safety point of view and from a concussion point of view, I think MMA, I feel a lot more safer out there than in kickboxing and boxing. And what is your opinion on that as a third, Absolutely. third referee? Absolutely correct. <laughs> the people who get more concussions are in American football. Though they have so much of protection... <laughs> Uh, they get right. more concussion and then uh, comes boxing 
uh, we cannot we have to say yes because all the blows are going to the face so concussion right. is uh, you cannot avoid that but when it comes to mma yes you have a, a person who's there to stop the fight at any time when he sees the fighter is not intelligently defending himself or you know he's he's tired and all that then we move in and we say save the fight because what happens here is when you fight you as a fighter also you have your adrenaline pumped up so much you don't want to give up right you have that heart to fight on and say no i can do it but you yeah. as a referee in the ring you should you know read the fight and you know take that call and say no you live to fight another day right so that call needs to be done and every referee needs to be very cautious about that sometimes right. you might get you know that might backfire you and you'll get a lot of negative uh, publicity saying the referee stopped the fight and that and this and all yeah. that but again when they go back and they look at the fight then they realize yeah they referee did a good job right. in stopping the fight right and you know I, i i think i should share a story with you you know this was a fight of Yes, yeah, no this was a fight in, that's okay. This is a fight in the Bangalore Open. I remember you were the referee in my fight and it was a three round fight as an amateur fight it goes and I know I won the first round. The second round I remember taking a lot of headshots. And mm. I realized I'm I was disoriented and possibly not concussed but may have been there. And and you came and spoke to me in between the rounds and you said if I take more headshots you will call the fight. Right, yes. and I somehow finished the fight, and I lost. And when I look back at the video, I realized I was severely disoriented. And if I'm honest, had you stopped the fight, I would have been really, really pissed off. And like you said, as the fighting, I would want the fight to go on. But when I go back and look at the video, I, I, I know what you were seeing, and I know why you would have called the fight had you had, call, had you called the fight. And I, I'm sure it must be very difficult for you to call, you know, those situations. I could give you one more example. Uh, we in a Bangalore Open Championship itself. Um, mm-hmm. we had one of our colleagues fighters fighting in the ring and i stopped the fight and he was cornering the thing he said what happened why did you stop the fight is good blah blah i said no he cannot continue and right. finally uh, the doctors came and took him out and they had to put him in the ambulance and he was unable to breathe oh wow so I, my my bout was over and i went to the ambulance to check on him see and i said now you know why i stopped the fight right then he realized his mistake yeah 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 because at that point of time the cornerman looks at the fight in a different way we look at the fight in a different way the audience right. looks at the fight at at a different way there are different perspectives on the fight but at the end of the day you are the person who will be responsible for the fighter's safety absolutely so you right. need that this type of understanding and reading the fight you will develop while you you have more experience and when you do a lot of uh, refereeing and uh, on different levels right So you know we spoke a lot about MMA. Uh, I just want to ask you a little bit more about you know the boxing and the kickboxing and the Muay Thai bouts that you mm-hmm. you know officiated. Mm-hmm. Uh, which ones do you enjoy more as a referee? Because you like, have the front row seats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love all the sports. All are good. Everything is has its own uh, you know takeaways from it. And see, for example, boxing. Uh, the minimum rounds in a boxing thing is four rounds. So you spend a lot of time uh, in the ring, four, six, eight, twelve, ten rounds, depending on what uh, match it is. So mm-hmm. that way of uh, looking at a bout is totally different. You know, you need to have more stamina as a referee, uh, especially when you're doing title bouts. This is what they do in boxing. It's not the medicals done only for the fighters; it's done even for the referee. Oh, okay. So, so uh, you one second. Ah. 
uh, because they want the referee also to be healthy. They check your BP, they check your eyesight, and, and unless you're fit, the doctor gives you a clearance certificate, you'll be able to referee about okay. for all title bouts, all title bouts in boxing. That is a thumb rule for what they have. So you, if you are selected to do a title bout, you better will show be healthy. Right. Right. So yeah, this is something people don't really that. understand, right? A yeah. lot of people don't know this and that's, yeah, that's good information, but this is only in boxing, not in any other sport. Uh, no, yeah, I haven't experienced this referee going for medicals. It's actually uh, only for boxing, which right. I came a part of it. Right. I mean, 12 so, rounds couple... to have the concentration in if it's a title yes. fight, world title. It's, it's tough, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, I guess the referee has to be on top of his game. Absolutely. And coming to kickboxing and Muay Thai, that's a different scenario again, uh, where in which it's almost close to MMA. Only thing you don't have groundwork over there. Right. You enjoy the fight there uh, when you're so close to the fighters. You know what power they're using. Sometimes you, you know what distance you need to maintain. Right. If you're too close, you might get kicked in the face or punched in the face. Has that so ever happened also... to you? No, that hasn't happened to me. But okay. sometimes my angles were not correct. That They would almost fall on me at a more oh. very fast pace. So that's something we learned uh, as time goes by, what angle you need to be if there are two... Uh, um, what do you call a south bar and an orthodox fighting you need don't need to be on the blind side you have to be in the side where you can see the fight right. all these small, small points some uh, referees uh, neglect to look at right. so if you're there you can cleanly see whether it was an intentional or an accidental groin kick or right. eye poke or whatever it is so right. your angling also is very important over there irrespective if it's boxing if it's right. mouth eye if it's kickboxing the easiest one is BJJ. <laughs> okay. You just stand and watch and just give points. <laughs> right. That's I'm the sure, easiest yeah. job. Right. Yeah, I'm sure that it is. Uh, but when you get into uh, something like a choke, whether it's in BJJ or in MMA, uh, at what point would you call the fight? I mean, uh, if the person is not tapping out, how do you know that the person is out? Because sometimes it's very difficult to tell. Very good question. Uh, in fact, uh, when we have uh, licensing done, mm -hmm. it's always advisable that you have been a, a BGJ uh, player. Because okay. as you correctly said, if you are not placed in an RNC or a triangle mm -hmm. or a darts or an anaconda choke, how the hell are you going to know what's <laughs> happening over there? Exactly. Right. right? So, so you need to experience that. For example, like um, uh, John McCarthy, Big John McCarthy has a licensing program that he does. He has a set of 56 techniques that you need to know to qualify for his uh, training program. Okay. So it, it's very important for them to know uh, the different aspects of kicks and chokes and what chokes. Sometimes what happens is uh, initially, my initially days of when I used to club was refereeing, they used to choke people and I was wondering what the hell choke is this <laughs> then I said no I need to learn uh right. BGC. and I started uh, training with some people and you know get got the knowledge of how it feels and what it is but coming back to your question what do you do see as I told you the fighter he doesn't want to give up he has a heart he said I will fight till the end hmm. so usually what we look at is when a choke is going on is eyes Okay. If it's you know diluting, then when you choke, they make a noise, and you you find froth coming out. Or what? We will ask them. Give me a thumbs up. 
Right. If you good, give me a thumbs up. I don't get any response from it. Then what I do, I, I lift the hand and I mm -hmm. leave it. So if it drops, mm -hmm. he's gone. He's, I'll stop the fight over there. Okay. You, usually this is, uh, if you say in, in, in 100 bouts or one or two will go like that way, they'll go to sleep. Others mm -hmm. tap, they're sensible fighters. They know they can fight another day, but there are some people who say, no, I'll not give up. Okay. Or there are some good grapplers uh, out there or wrestlers. When they get you in the choke, when they start to squeeze on you, you'll go to sleep. Okay. So they're so good. So that okay. that you need to, as a referee, need to pay good attention when it's going to the ground, especially for these chokes and even leg locks. Mm -hmm. That is also a thing, a, a big uh, thing that you need to look out because injuries can happen a lot over here. Right. Right. And coming back to the choke, you know, I, I've seen two fights with two very different uh, endings because of how the referee reacted. And both are the extremes that can happen. And when one was an SFL, I will not take the name of the referee. We all know him. But he did I, not I, I call the choke. About, yeah. And the corner yeah. had to jump in and the yeah. fight had to be stopped because that was dangerous for the fighter. And the other one, yeah. I believe, was in the last UFC where the referee mm -hmm. lifted the fighter's arm and the fighter mm -hmm. pulled his arm back. But when he did, it looked like he was tapping and the fight was yeah. called by the referee. Yeah. yeah, I think this UFC one was, I think, last week or something, if I'm not wrong, yes. which, yes. which happened. Yeah, yeah. so these, See, are, these are two extremes, but uh, how, yes. how difficult is it for the referee? I mean, uh, would one of them have been easier for you to call if you were the referee in there? Or See, as, as I told earlier, this uh, we are all humans at the end of the day. Uh, right. Six uh, would happen. See, the first one that you spoke about in SFL, mm -hmm. yeah, the referee should have uh, paid a little more attention to what's happening. That's why I told the angling, uh, you cannot just stand and look at the choke that's happening. You go to the ground, you look at the person, what's happening, because some people go, you know, they, they get tensed up, their hands and all become stiff. Right. You know, the was getting choked out. So you need to look at all these signs and, uh, and call the about, but when coming to the UFC part of it, that was uh, anybody looking at it, they look at the tap. So usually right. what, when we are trained also, when we say a tap is we wait for at least two, one, two. Yes. Like this, if you just go like this, sometimes they're trying to hit. Yeah. You know, the punch like that, right? they're in that mood of trying to hit. You need to gauge that and see that. A referee's job is, you know what, uh, you like it or not, sometimes people will praise you to the core. Very rarely you get that. And every time <laughs> they say, no, the referee goofed up. He, you know, he spoiled my career, my this, my that. End of the day, yes, there are some bouts which are called wrongly. We agree to it. And uh, as I said, we are just humans. We also sometimes tend to make mistakes, but we don't repeat them. We learn from them and move ahead. Because uh, some uh, there, if there are some referees, for example, if it's a title fight. Mm -hmm. Now, what we do is if there's a ground and pound going, we'll tell them, defend yourself, defend yourself. They're not doing, since the title fight, the referee will say, okay, I'll give him a chance to see what he's doing. He'll give him a few seconds extra. Mm -hmm. See if he comes back. There are so many instances in fights where the uh, referee gave those few seconds ahead and the mm -hmm. fight was turned. The guy right. was getting backed up, reversed, and he won the bout. Mm -hmm. So being a referee is a tough job. At the same time, it's very exciting too because okay. you are there up front, right in front of everybody. And you're looking at the fight. You're reading the fight. You're studying the fight. Mm -hmm. And you keep taking a call. And Got especially it. if it's on big promotions, you know, you have the crowd screaming, shouting. That's where you need to have your focus. Mm -hmm. 
So right. what when you go in, this is what we've been taught by our seniors and, uh, you know, uh, international uh, referees and colleagues who tell us when you go into the ring, you are the boss. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't listen to what the corner is shouting, what the audience is shouting. You take the call. Right. If you say it is uh, a call that need, a bout needs to be stopped, yes, it needs to be stopped. Mm-hmm. You are the only uh, decision maker over there. Nobody else, irrespective of what they think. Right. You have a justification for it that this is what I thought and this is what I read the fight. That's why I called the fight this way. Same mm-hmm. thing goes for judges also. Uh, when you score about, uh, there are sometimes uh, people say, no, it should have gone the other way. No, it should have gone this way. But mm-hmm. you're, that's why they put three judges at different angles. Right. So if I can't see something, the other judge is picking up something else and they'll mm-hmm. be able to score the part. So focus is utmost important for a referee and a judge. Right. So, you know, you, since you're the third man and you see everything up close, uh, I just want to, this is not technical at all, but from your own personal choice, uh, can you tell me three fights which you've seen? One, which was the best fight you ever seen? Second, the worst mm-hmm. fight? And the third, the strangest? <laughs> I can't recall because um, I'm a person who, who doesn't pick anything as a good fight and, you know, a bad fight. I could okay, just come up to my mind is Anderson Silva versus GSP. I don't know if you remember this fight where it was a crazy fight. That was, you know, both were bashed no, up, especially I, no, GSP I, I, was. Yeah, no, I, I meant fights where you were in the ring with the fighters. In the ring. The yeah. Okay, I'll give you an example of my first world championship in 2017 uh-huh. in Bahrain. Right. So I, I applied for a judge. Actually, I was very, you know apprehensive and going into the ring. I was not uh, confident enough. Mm-hmm. So I was selected as a judge and I went over there and we were given a cage to work at uh, with our cage leader. So the cage leader came to me and said, uh, we have very few referees. What do you referee? And I said, uh, I don't know what made me say yes. I said, yes. And I said, okay, find some other referee. We'll go in and see what he's doing. And he put me into the first bout. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I was so nervous, so nervous. And the good part of it, we had uh, five cages mm-hmm. and all five cages, all Indian referees starting the championship. Oh, wow. Everybody were there in the ring. That that was really good. Uh-huh. This being my first uh, MMA uh, world championship bout, it was a ladies bout category. Mm-hmm. The fight is going on. And... Uh, she takes this girl in a submission okay. and she taps as she taps the bell rings. Oh, so I was, I was confused. Like, what do I call this? Do I say the bell rang? But I waved my hand because we have to wave when we call the fight off. Yeah. So I waved my hand and the coach came running in. Why, why you stopped the bout and all that? And he asked what happened. And for my good luck, the fighter was honest enough said, no, I tapped. <laughs> oh, wow. and, and that was sorted over there so okay. so that was one instant and another one was um uh when I, when you asked me a question when do you you stop a fight when a person is choked yeah so this was my first experience where this guy was getting choked i could see his eyes going you know i just say let I give him a little more time to come back mm-hmm. but that was a little late and i stopped the okay. fight it, mm-hmm. but it's a little late according to what my seniors told me you should have stopped it a little more earlier because okay. he was totally out he right. came back in 10, 10 seconds. He came back to his uh, senses. And then so they said, they, there I 
learned something new that this is what I need to look at or you need to lift the hand. I didn't know about, you know, you can touch the fighter and, you know, leave yeah, the hand and see if he's conscious or not. Ask those statements. Give me a thumbs up. All mm-hmm. those things needs to be asked. So I learned something new. That's why every event that I go for, every championship, every club, I take away something new and go at. Irrespective right. if it's if I'm working in the boxing ring, if I'm working for a kickboxing or Maokai or BJJ, it's mm-hmm. a learning curve. Improves my knowledge every time. Right. So uh, apart from, you know, the, all the work you've done as a official and, you know, as a, as a, you know, uh, both as a referee judge, as well as, you know, a vice president in MMA, and you are a mm-hmm. senior VP in WEC Moetai as well. But outside of yeah. this, uh, I think a lot of people don't know this. You also done a little bit of show business. <laughs> you were... <laughs> yes. Yeah, that uh, we did a Tamil movie uh, as a referee because they had some MMA um, fights going on into it. Which, which movie was, was this? This was a Tamil picture called as Patas, where Danush was a hero. But that nice. was a crazy experience because they go on cut and thing. We go in the morning, we come back next day, early morning for one small fight. It was okay. crazy. So that was a very crazy experience. And then you come on the screen for hardly a few seconds. Uh, in the, you, know, you work so hard over there. But the real exposure that I got was when I worked for a program called India's Ultimate Warrior for Discovery Channel. Uh-huh. Uh, where in which I played uh, the role of a referee for different combat sports. Okay. Uh, let it be from the Punjab tra- traditional post called Katak. And if I'm, I'm not getting it correct, the uh, name. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is the thing. Then it being MMA, then it being boxing, then it be tug of war, then it be uh, some uh, Shaolin stuff or something like that way. I was mm-hmm. a part of that. This was a shoot for uh, 20 days. Okay. Uh, we had it in the midst of some forest where we had actors like uh, Akshay Kumar and uh, Vidyut Jamwal, who was the main host of the program. Mm-hmm. And there also, I learned a lot from mentors like uh, uh, the guy who made the wild human and man, or hawk we call him, is okay. American uh, thing. From him, Shifu Kanishkar. A very very uh, renowned uh, the only indian monk trained from the uh, shaolin he was okay. there then we had from one championship killer b mm-hmm. she was one of the mentors so it was a good experiencing uh, experience learning from these people in different aspects they were uh snipers uh in the uh, the professional in the australian army and another oh. guy was uh, like a commando from the us hawk uh-huh. so I took away a lot from them and that was a real great uh, experience and the show did pretty well also and nice. uh, I think they might come up with season two also I'm not sure about that oh but, best of uh, luck for that I hope they call yeah. you back for that and yeah for yeah, those who haven't so. checked it out yeah for those yeah, who please haven't checked go. it out, check it out. Yeah. yeah it's something different it's something unique because here in this concept it was no weight class there's no men no women women uh-huh. had to fight with the men itself wow. for example they had different things like how you'll control a fight. Mm-hmm. They had only on control. Then they had something as team building where they had this called as uh, murder ball. This is a very famous uh, uh, method of training for the British uh, SAS forces, okay. the commando forces, where you make two teams, you throw a tire in the air and the teams come and grab the tire and try to take it to their post. Okay. 
Okay. So that's how you work as a team, team building activities and endurance activities, then, you know, your patience activities. It was a mixture of everything. Right. So that was something different for the Indian audience also, something mm-hmm. new. And I, and I hope they come back again because uh, MMA and combat sports are growing really big in India. Right. So, yeah, I really hope to. to and, yeah, for those who haven't checked it out, check it out. I believe it's on Discovery. Yes, uh, Discovery Plus, yeah. Right. And um, people who are Dhanush fans, you can go back and watch the movie again. <laughs> and maybe let us know at which, which point Mr. Kevin Alfred David comes on screen. I'm sure you can't miss him once he's on screen. Uh, and if, if you don't want to watch the movie, go right to the end of the movie. It's the last fight which happens. <laughs> Okay, spoiler alert. In fact, it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, in fact, Prasad also was a part of it. Uh, okay. Who was our general secretary of uh, MM India. Right. So we both were uh, doing the roles of referees over there. And we had some other people also uh, okay. who did the part of the refereeing too. Right, right, great. Um, okay, that's, that is amazing. Um, so you used to compete as an athlete earlier, right? Do you yes. still compete as an athlete now or uh, are you planning to at any point of time? I would be uh, doing BJJ itself. I was planning to join the competition in BJJ. Uh, it's good to be a part of it. But earlier, uh, I think in 2018, 2019, uh, I used to take part in these uh, underground fight nights. Uh, it used to happen in Bangalore. Uh, where there is the, the, It was run by uh, uh, Ashwin Mohan. No, Ashwin Mohan. Okay. Yeah. So we used to go there and we get five minutes. You fight with whoever you have to fight with. Uh, and there is no gloves, bare knuckle. Oh, wow. Sometimes okay. they give gloves. And that's <laughs> when I knew, uh, because I was a stand-up fighter. I, I didn't know anything on the ground. So uh-huh. that's when I knew that when I went to the ground and he took me to the ground, I was like, what do I do? I had no clue. <laughs> so I just knew a guillotine, standing guillotine. Other than okay. that, I didn't know nothing. <laughs> so there's that's what gave me the curiosity. No, I need to enhance my knowledge, and I started going for BJJ classes, and then I learned a lot uh, from right. BJJ, and it really makes sense even if you have a good wrestling background too, which helps. Mm-hmm. So this was Banical, right? Uh, did you ever get cut on your face or your head? Anything no. like that? Nothing. Oh, no. you were lucky, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> or you're only good, in- or both. Yeah. <laughs> no, the only injuries that I ever uh, got was not related to combat sport. That's oh. the best part of it. It was either in cricket where I broke my teeth, the ball, leather ball hit my face. Oh no. Okay. My recent thing was by playing long tennis. I injured my oh. wrist. I said so many years in combat sports and no injuries at all, and playing other sports, <laughs> I got injured. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So, and you know, this is something I tell my wife because she gets concerned about me getting injured in the ring. And I had, I've had a couple of broken noses and once I had to get a stitch, but that is about it. You know, there hasn't been any major injury outside of that, but I've torn my ligament just running around as a kid. And exactly. <laughs> it's, it's very bizarre and very, uh, you know, counterintuitive, but people don't realize it. But combat sports typically is a lot safer than, you know, just everyday life. Yeah. Exactly. And now if you look at uh, what's happening now, since we're promoting MMA uh, everywhere, we have something called as youth MMA, uh, where in which now people are getting educated. Like as earlier, you said, if you talk about MMA, the first thing is saying that that's a bloody event. It's full of blood. There's so much injury. You take it even to the sports minister. And this, they're fighting with each other. No, no, it's not going to happen. Nobody's going to. Parents also right. tell them. But the rules and regulations that have come forth now for the youth MMA uh, aspirants, starting from the tender age of 12, Mm-hmm. From 12 onwards to uh, 17 years, 
it's immense the safety right. protocols are to the t so there is no chance of any injuries or such if the referee is good in the ring nothing is going to happen and it's so safe like for example you don't have face punches no face kicks no knees to the body of any sort for all of them right and each category has a separate set of rules that they need to follow hmm. for example the, the 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 c category which is the 12 to 13 years is as soon as they go into the form of an armbar we hmm. stop the fight we don't let it be uh, armbar to get extended so right. we know as a referee okay he's taking going in for the armbar position he's going to get the armbar we stop the fight so again in the b we allow them to do uh, extend the extend but we don't allow them to extend it very much so right. we stop the fight like that way so right. we have different rule sets and there are no uh, calf slices and bicep slices right. uh, no leg locks nothing like that way so it's very 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 uh, easy and uh, practically very very safe for all the athletes from the tender age of 12 to 17 and once they graduate into the junior category then it's the full fledged amateur rules which come into place right so this is one thing i wanted to ask you a lot of these uh, amateur youth rules which have come up and this is both for mma and wbc moita has some as well and mm-hmm. the intention was to make it safer for kids that was one but also to try and get it into the olympics because the olympics exactly. i believe need you know some safety rules in place but you know yeah. on the flip side we have these traditional combat sports already in the olympics and some of them can be very controversial uh, for example in the lost olympics i remember it was the finals of karate i forget which weight category i think it was brazil versus iran mm-hmm. uh, and i believe in karate in the olympics you're not supposed to have a full contact and i know you you're talking about the face kick right yeah he, yeah the, the, yes the person who got knocked out won the gold yeah. medal one yes exactly <laughs> in fact uh, i was uh, when i saw that fight what you're talking about uh, it was a perfect uh, mawashigiri uh, that's a snap kick to the face and he pulled back his leg also i don't know why the referee uh, disqualified him for that guy getting knocked out it was a perfect pull back kick it was not extended like how we do in mouth we take the leg fully down it was a tap and back and uh, i don't know what happened i i don't know if that was karate or taekwondo I'm not I'm a little confused. I believe it was karate. I believe it was karate, but uh, okay. maybe I'm mistaken. Yeah, but one of those yeah. traditional sports. Exactly. Yeah, but uh, do you do you see such situations coming up in MMA or Muay Thai if they get into the Olympics at any point of time or not at all? Based uh, on the rules you've seen currently. Knock getting knocked out uh, uh if you're looking at the youth aspects of the youth is going into the Olympics? No. We will never come across that. if we ever come across that uh, getting knocked out and all that i don't think so it'll happen because okay. there are no face kicks and no face punches at all okay. the question of getting knocked out is not there if it's an amateur circuit yes it might be there a knockout but if he's knocked out the knocked out fighter will not win the other guy only will win because <laughs> the rules are like that uh, even coming to mautai the youth also they have developed good rules and regulations now for the safety of the fighter because now all combat sports irrespective of what it is fighter safety is number 1 right and you are also being a referee i would like to add it's always good if you have some knowledge about different lacerations that uh, happen so you could also call the fight uh, when it's going on and you can go to the corner and check while that's what i do in every uh, match if i find one of the fighters you know is tailgating or he's getting dazed and all that i mm-hmm. go there i wait for the corners to finish the thing when you have the last 10 seconds i talk mm-hmm. to the fighter and right. see how he reacts 
because mm-hmm. uh, in boxing i did that once and i called off the fight okay. so i didn't want to take the risk of it uh, you know for right. the fighter's safety uh, in recently it happened and i called the fight and i told the cornerman no i will not let him fight he's not protecting himself either he cannot walk also right. so so having that little bit of that knowledge is also good right so when it comes to lacerations right uh, different sports have different you know lacerations which come up because in muay thai when you have elbows involved people can get cut open fairly easily uh, yes. same in professional yes. mma not so much in yes. boxing in boxing as well they get opened up but not the same way uh, do you treat them differently when you look at these cuts and bare knuckle is the mm-hmm. most i'm sure bare knuckle you know people get cut open all the yes. time see it depends if it's a professional fight you look at it differently if it's an amateur you look at it differently so right. so it depends on what event it is and how it is see as in an amateur fight if he gets punched uh, since there are no elbows in uh, amateur if you get a glove punch and it cuts above the eyelash it's cut and it's bleeding and the blood is going into his eyes so that is he's unable to see the fight so we stopped and get the doctor in and uh, if you have that knowledge of you know what lacerations are and what the cut and where it's cut you need to stop the fight you can have a discussion with the doctor and mm-hmm. and the doctor will also educate you on the same and you can call the fight but if it's professional also even if it's a deep cut and nasty you have your corner cutman over there mm-hmm. as long as the blood is not going to the fighter's eyes and he's he's able to fight he can see the fight then we don't stop and we don't call the doctor because once you have your 1 minute rest definitely uh, the cutman comes in and he treats the cut he puts mm-hmm. in vaseline which has those um, i uh, don't know the correct word the liquid that they mix in it so it will clot the bleeding right so which is legal that we can use uh, uh, in boxing as well as in mma or in muay thai wherever it is you can mix that in vaseline and put it so it clots the blood little bit so the bleeding is not there right so that's this okay and um, you know this is something i want to ask you on a it's personal as well as for the audience uh, because you know mm-hmm. i got offered a banical fight which i did not take because the weight class was not you know uh, i think the it was a big mismatch for me to take up it, and bkfc but mm-hmm. uh, the opinion that bkfc has that you know i kind of share that opinion is uh, when you fight banical boxing you get cut up a lot because it's banicals but uh, the gloves which typically you wear in boxing protect your fist more than the opponent's face and yes. in banical because you are afraid of breaking your own wrist you are probably not hitting as hard uh, do you share that opinion because you for banical yourself yeah. uh, that again very see it's something like uh, when in uh, earlier the amateur boxing thing had head guards right right uh, when the study was done and research was done they found that people wearing head guards were getting more concussions than person without head guard <laughs> so what happens is a psychology effect that uh, you you have an head guard i have an head guard so you'll think if i hit him hard also nothing will happen to him right so th- you tend to hit harder and correctly as you said uh, when you have your hands protected and thing you tend to use more force compared right. to when you are bare knuckle fighting but again however if your, your knuckles are conditioned very well mm-hmm. then yes you use your full force and it is pretty bad Right. irrespective you wear gloves and you go bare knuckle also you're going to cut your face but right. the lacerations exactly. will be more effective bare knuckle wise mm-hmm. for example you take an elbow strike right. there's no guard but a slight you know a turn like this or a upper thing you cut easy it's cut easily in elbow compared to a yes. punch with right. the gloves on mm-hmm. so and right. uh, i have experienced the bare knuckle punches a lot to who 
actually when i was doing fukushin karate fukushin oh. karate is a full contact karate thing right. only thing is they don't punch the face they need right. to the face they the keep body. the face and the body yeah. and his bare knuckle and that is brutal after right. every fight that you come back even from class you'll have blue and red patches all over your body mm-hmm. so that's okay. how you get conditioned also <laughs> that's just old school way of conditioning your body yeah <laughs> nice great uh so uh okay i think we've gone over 43 minutes i didn't realize the time quickly <laughs> uh okay just you know if you have to give some advice to the uh people out there and they want to enter the game either as a fighter or after the fighter they want to be officials do you have any words of advice to the people out there listening Yes uh see you need to do your research and and you need to know which are the uh professional bodies that are running the sport for example i since i'm part of three bodies that is wbc mauta india and uh, mma india and uh, indian boxing council so if you're coming to mma my only advice will be first do your amateur fights at least have at least 20 fights under your belt before you move, go to a professional fight because this will not only increase your experience it will give you the cage knowledge how you need to fight what is the rest time don't go directly into a professional fight that's my advice even in boxing is the same do a little bit of amateur and then get into professional boxing because the entire scenario is different in professional and the thing because once you go professional you can't come back to amateur mm-hmm. it doesn't work like that way and if you want to go and become a referee or a judge like i am doing currently go to the genuine body for mma come to mma india we have uh, state level courses we have uh, national level courses we have asian level courses we just now finished uh, in fact uh, uh, sheriff sir has conducted the asian level uh, referee judge courses where eight asian countries participated in bahrain he just wow. finished that and he came and it was a great success we had around 40 uh, uh, applic- inspiring referees and judges and they loved the interaction and the course material uh, which was been provided to them they had a good insight on knowledge about what they need to do and what they need to look at because see nowadays everybody is becoming pretty intelligent huh? it is not like the good old days that people didn't know the rules everybody knows the rules and regulations so even when a coach or a corner man comes to you you need to talk to them in such a way that they understand the rules and regulations if they don't know what they're talking about then it's not good so you get trained by the pro- professional body for mma is like mma india and for boxing is ibc boxing and mauta is mauta india uh, you can come we have courses there that we can teach and i'm a part of all these three so you'll see me everywhere <laughs> in respect of uh, there will be boxing kickboxing bjj anything great so do your That's research awesome. i'm not saying come to us alone but if you come to us you'll be the best it's as, as simple <laughs> as that right so if you want to be the best come you know wherever mr kevin alfred david is whether it's mma jiu jitsu muay thai kickboxing or boxing just stick to where he's going and i can tell you from experience you know he knows where the right people are and if you go where he is one you'll be safe two you'll your career will be secure that is my guarantee to anybody listening so thank you anyways thank you so much for being on the show and you know again i could not ask for a better guest to you know start this new series the inside scoop uh, than you and uh, yeah this was a great time and uh, thanks everybody and uh, for those who joined in listening i see sagne gupta who had joined in earlier uh, and uh, quite a few people have joined in as well uh, and we will have another sagne sagne gupta is a good fighter also oh okay <laughs> oh that's great 
So, Zagni Gupta, Mr. Kevin Alfred, David knows you. He thinks you're a good fighter. So, hats off to that. Keep up the good work. So, and for the others listening, uh, we will be back with Beyond the Gloves next week. Uh, So, the way it goes, we're going to have two episodes of Beyond the Gloves and one of Inside Scoop every, you know. So, every three weeks, there will be one Inside Scoop. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for joining. And uh, I'll catch you all next next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, everybody. Cheers. Bye.